Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Pastor Johnny, and thank you for this uh, opportunity to start this series off on the book of Second Peter. It's an incredible, great book, so I get the uh, uh, privilege of starting out in chapter one. Um, thank you so much. I, missionaries, we love them. I love you guys. What, what are you doing? What? What do you do? Anyway, okay. Um, wow, I hope you give on a regular basis to um, missions and missionaries. I, um, I look down in my app, church app, uh, looks almost like the Amazon app, and it's right next to each other. And sometimes I hit the Amazon app instead of the church app, and so I just go ahead and buy something. And uh, no, I'm kidding, of course, but... Uh, they do look alike, and so I got to move them, all right? Uh, somebody knows how. Come see me afterwards, all right? No, I know how. Um, well, I'm going back to old school since uh, there's going to be a great Sunday and a couple of weeks on old school. So going back to old school tonight. Um, and uh, someone came to me not long ago, and they said, hey, when are you going to speak? And I said, um, well, matter of fact, a few Wednesdays ago, I spoke. Obviously, you weren't here. And uh, second of all, second of all, I've had 35 years to speak here, and since I'm the global pastor, I need to branch out. And um, I've been, just so give you a report, I've been to Okoe and uh, Winter Park, and uh, the Longwood area. And so uh, this coming, what are we doing? You're going to take this mic away? Test, test, test. No, test, 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 no, and help. I promise you they are not sabotaging me, all right? So anyway. But um, while this weekend, Alice and I get to do something very exciting. We're flying up to Michigan to speak for one of the young men that grew up here in our church, Jason Shorey, and his wife. And um, boy, I'm looking forward to that, spending some time with him. Listen, he was just running sound over, I guess, the youth ministry media sound over there uh, several years ago. Next thing I know, um, he was going to pastor a church in Michigan. And so maybe somebody's speaking, or God's speaking to someone here about uh, you going and ministering and doing something exciting for God. Um, but in the meantime, do something exciting for God right here. Amen? Um, so I'm really, boy, when Pastor Johnny was up here talking about that old school weekend, I, I could just see these altars. I could just see these altars just packed with people. And they will be if everybody does their parts. And I do believe that people want to hear uh, about Jesus. Alice and I went to a restaurant. Uh, 
got to talking to the uh, uh, waitress, and uh, she doing most of the talking. The girl started crying, um, just standing there talking to us a few weeks ago. Uh, people need Jesus. We were uh, scheduled to go to Scotland this month, uh, and some things didn't happen. So we weren't able to make that, but we're going to uh, Michigan, going to just have an incredible great time there. And um, pray for us as God gives us direction. Back in um, February, March, and April, ran into some pretty serious um, medical, physical situations. And, um, but it looks like, no, it doesn't look like it. God has brought us through that, and uh, I'm rejoicing over that. So, anyway, we want to welcome those of you that are online. Uh, God bless you. We were all there <laughs> some time ago. It seemed like forever now, back in 2020, but uh, we're here, and if, you are, if it's at all possible for you to get here, um, why don't you do so? This coming weekend would be a great time to start. And um, I would encourage you, I, when he was speaking about the old school's message, and I promise you I'm, I'm not going to ramble much longer, all right? But um, Alice and I have done some things that, you know, we normally don't do. And usually on Sunday morning now, we're here. If we're not somewhere else, we're here and sitting there in both services and enjoying the ministry of Pastor Johnny and the music and worship and and, but one week, something happened, and we didn't make the first service, and we came in right before 11.15. And I was shocked at the traffic and, and the intense look on people's faces to find a parking place. Um, I want to encourage all of you that love Jesus to, on that Sunday, the old school, park far away. Um, walk to see somebody else find Jesus, all right? Uh, I went to an evangelistic crusade one time, and the guy who's fabulous guy, but he got up there and he said, how many of you would give $500 to see somebody saved? I didn't raise my hand. Uh, I was a youth pastor at the time, and I couldn't, I've never seen anybody do this, but he, he went on down to like 400, and he went on down to 300, and I'm sitting there, I, I didn't really make any money, and uh, here, and, and finally he got down to like, would you not give $5? And finally, I raised my hand. I'm going to give $5 to see somebody saved. So why don't you walk a little ways to see somebody saved, all right? The last thing you want them to do is drive out of the parking lot and keep going. Said, I couldn't find a parking place. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for this pastor. Thank you, Lord God, for this team. Thank you for these people. Bless them. Just anoint every person online. God, touch them. There are some that are sitting there, God, hurting and in pain and in need of a touch from you. So I pray that tonight that this word from this book would minister to their lives and we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Uh, these two epistles, uh, Peter, and, and I'm going to have to be careful because I'm so used to saying Paul that um, uh, Peter, you know, uh, literally, I, I think these two books represent to all of us the ability of God to prove himself 
uh, beyond human capacity to, to do things in people's lives. Think about it. If someone would have come to Peter when he first started out as a young man, maybe in his 20s, a, a fisherman, rough around the edges, as we all know he was, and somewhat known as maybe a big mouth, um, this guy, um, if someone would have come and said, hey, guess what, Peter? One day, you are going to be a Christian, and you're going to meet the Messiah, and uh, you're going to be a leader in the church world, and uh, people are going to be reading from something you write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, 2,000 years from now. Uh, it would have blown his mind. He would have probably said, never in a million years. But God reached down and touched that fisherman. And it proves that God can use anybody, anywhere. Say amen, all right? Absolutely, positively. God turned Peter, a loudmouth fisherman, into an apostle and an author. He was an author, no less. He wrote these two books and, uh, under the inspiration of the Spirit uh, to think how far he came, literally, to where he ended up. Uh, because all of because, all in because of Jesus Christ. Peter wrote to the Christians in the five providences in Asia Minor. Today, the modern-day country of Turkey. Um, let me read verse 1, jump into it. It says, Simon Peter, Simon Peter, a bondservant, he says of himself, and apostle, and apostle. Those don't seem to go together, do they? Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle, all right? And so I, I believe with all my heart when we humble ourselves, and he did as a bondservant, that God exalts us uh, as, as an apostle. He didn't choose that. He didn't uh, grasp that title. No, God issued it upon his life. Uh, is this mic too loud? No, is it good? Okay, all right. You guys are taking care of me. All right, so a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for this like precious faith? Uh, Peter experienced it. The people of his day experienced this like precious faith. And here we are, all these years later, uh, with like precious faith, our uh, dogmatic belief in Jesus Christ, our love of the Lord, and you can get uh, on an airplane, uh, as this missionary couple have done, flown to different parts of the world. And I had the privilege years ago of flying to La Paz, Bolivia. Our church helped to, helped to build a Bible college down there, and, and uh to Nepal. I've never been there, but our church has, and Pastor Marcos and the team have been to Nepal around the world, and they found people of like precious faith, all right? You can find people just like you and I that believe passionately, just like you and I, anywhere, almost without exception, you go in the world, all right? So let's go to verse 2 and um, get into this, and Peter says, grace and peace. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace. All right. Grace is such a beautiful thing. 
that unmerited favor. I know a lot of people like to use that. There are more components to grace, but unmerited favor. It's uh, the favor of God. How many of you enjoy and walk in the favor of God? How many of you? I mean, uh, thank God. You walk in the favor of God. Um, and yet there are those, and it wasn't the same, it was the same in the day of Peter as it still is today. There were those that misused and abused uh, grace and even taught the people about what we call today or a lot of people call hyper grace. Um, maybe you've heard about it. It's when there are people, good people, that believe uh, when you got saved, you were born again, your sins, past, present, and future are all forgiven. There is no reason to repent. Uh, they say that's walking in guilt, uh, which uh, um, is, well, anyway, another story. But uh, they say that you don't have to repent. And yet, Jesus spoke to five of the, the churches in Revelation and said to repent, even to the good church of Ephesus. He said, you've lost your first love. There's so many good things about you, what you're doing, but you've lost your first love. And then he says, repent, repent. Start doing the first works over again and uh, get right, or else I remove your candlestick from you. So grace, hyper grace, is a no repentance or confession. Uh, aren't you glad that, you know, you can come to Christ if you, if you sin, uh, you can come to Christ, ask his forgiveness, and how many of you know he will forgive you, all right? And Romans chapter 5, great verse, verse 20, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Well, there were many, well, I should say some, in the early church that believed that since sin cause grace to abound, their thinking was sin is a good thing because it causes grace to abound. How many of you know that's mixed up theology there? And so they taught that, that uh, there's nothing wrong with sin because it causes grace to abound. But you go and you find in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, shall we, Paul says, under the anointing, Shall we continue in sin that grace abound? Certainly not, he says. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And then he says in Jude, and I didn't, get, I didn't throw these on the screen, but in Jude verse 4 of chapter 1, or the only, only chapter, he says, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness. So it's not, we don't sin so that we can experience grace. We experience grace so we don't have to sin, all right? Or we don't want to sin. So God help us. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge or through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ the Lord. Grace and peace come through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, peace is a is a, uh, a fruit of the Spirit that uh, comes into our life, um, not necessarily um, 
uh, it's one of the fruit of that many manifestations of the Spirit that comes into our life at salvation, but it is to be worked out in our lives. So peace comes in as by the Spirit, but also peace can come through knowledge of the Word of God, and both things will happen. Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace, and then there are things in our life that uh, there's peace there, but it's activated through our knowledge of the Word. Uh, as an example, a lady years ago, um, I found out that she had been horribly sexually abused, and she was radiant. She was uh, walking in victory. This didn't seem to be a factor at all in her life, and I was pretty amazed at that. And so I, I said, well, how did you get victory over this terrible abuse? And she said, I came into this church, I heard the word, I believed the word, and I walked out in faith and, and peace in my heart and my life and victory over my, my past. And I'm like, just that simple? And she was like, yes, because all of us want to make it harder sometimes than it really is. But uh, she was like, I believed it, I saw it, I read it, I heard it, and I chose to walk in it. Now, there are no doubt many in this building that have been abused, either sexually or some other way. Well, I tell you tonight, there is victory through Jesus Christ, your Lord, my Lord. You can walk out of here with peace uh, and walk and flow in that the rest of your lives as you choose uh, peace and grace through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in verse 3, as the divine power has given us all things, the divine power of the Holy Spirit of God has given to us all things that pertain to life. Now, st let's stop right there. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life. In other words, everything that life throws at us. There is divine power available to you and I to deal with it, to overcome it, to walk in victory with the, uh, the overcoming aspect of it that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. His divine power has given us all things, everything we need to overcome any problem, any hurt, any pain in our lives. How many of you believe that? you got to believe it. There is within the capacity of God within us to overcome every problem, every pain in our lives. Well, let's go on. Verse 4, it says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, and through these you may be. All right, so let's back up by which have been given to us exceedingly. It's been given to you exceedingly, you and I, great and precious promises. Someone online looking on the screen somewhere. It's for you. It's been given to you exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be. 
partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, verse 4 is the basis or the reason for the preceding verses 5 through 7. All right, so verse 4 says, you and I have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that as we partake of the divine nature of God, these are implemented in our lives. Now, let's go to what I think are the key verses in this entire chapter, verses 5 through 7. And it reads, but also for this very reason. What reason? Verse 4 of the uh, of uh, the precious and great promises of God, giving all diligence. Then Peter says, add to your faith. He says, you are to add to your faith. Now, the media guys are pretty incredible around here. And um, here's the foundation of our life. It is the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ and in his word. So, It goes on to say, uh, for this very reason, add to your faith, add to this virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, you add love. Now, Peter is proposing to all of us that when we come into faith in Christ, the foundation that then we add on to that foundation of faith these things. We add it by the Holy Spirit. Peter tells us to add virtue, add virtue to our faith. Add virtue. That's something you and I choose to do is add virtue to our faith. Now, Uh, What is virtue? Well, it is uh, high moral standards. It speaks of honesty. It speaks of compassion. It speaks of integrity and goodness. Virtue or integrity, an integral part of that word, is an adherence to a code of values. In this particular case, the Word of God. And it's an adherence to a code of values based on the Word of God utter sincerity and honesty. Uh, We can say it's having an excellent attitude uh, in our lives as a result of our faith, and we look around and realize, thank God, we don't have a perfect life, but we're going to heaven. And uh, many have it worse than we do, so I'm going to stop complaining, and I'm going to add a good attitude, and I'm going to add integrity, and uh, I'm going to add honesty to my faith. And so many times, people get born again, And then they don't add very much at all. They go on the same way, carrying the dismissive things in their life that should be out. They should add to their lives these things. But yet all of us fall into traps. Um, We should be positive. We all know that. 
We should be positive. Somebody says, Pastor Carr, I am very positive. I am depressed. Uh, and so uh, you're, no, um, God doesn't want you depressed. He wants you uh, built up in him, as Jude tells us, uh, built up in him. Uh, just past Sunday, Alice and I were talking to someone, and she says to me, yeah, I'm just old. And I'm like, whoa, stop. Uh, I'm like, don't ever say that again. And uh, first of all, she didn't look old. Second of all, when she told me her age, she was younger than me. And I'm like, stop it. Don't ever say that again. You will never hear me say I'm old. Never, ever, ever. When the day I die, you will not hear me say I am old. It doesn't matter if I'm 91. And you better not come to my bedside and say, well, he's old. He can go on to heaven. No, uh, I'm going to rise up and rebuke you. And uh, <laughs> So I'm like, don't ever say that again. Now, she's got a great attitude overall, but I just needed to correct her a little bit in that particular area. We all need to be uh, corrected in some areas of our life. I'm going to, uh, you know, I hadn't, I've, there's so many things I have uh, hadn't shared lately, that I, um, so I'm running out of time here. But anyway, they said it's 12.01 already. No, I'm so, no, I got 12 minutes. All right. Dear God, have mercy. Um, but keeping a good attitude is uh, certainly something that God wants us to have. If someone sees our life and we have a bad attitude, we're depressed, we're always grumbling about everything, and all of us have on occasion, but if that's the norm of our lives, who wants to come to your church? You know, if you go to your neighbor and they know that you are, you know, you just aren't living a radiant, good attitude life and say, hey, we're having this old school uh, sermon. Wouldn't you like to come to my church? And they're like, no, I would not like to come to your church. So you got two weeks to get your attitude right, all right? And uh, I mean, turn things around and get them here uh, for good. But uh, some months ago, um, back in February, February, February was a tough month, several reasons. But uh, I was having a relatively good day uh, relatively good attitude, at least I think I did. And I went through this neighborhood between now church and our house, and, and I needed to do something on my phone, or thought I did. And so I pulled over right next to the road. There was two big oak trees in front, front of somebody's house. And so I parked, and I was, I don't know what I was doing. Uh, I'd called first, I guess, or deleting emails, which is a perpetual motion. And so I'm sitting there on my phone, and I see this man comes over, and he's an older guy, and uh, I can tell right off he's not a believer. Uh, he doesn't look like it, and uh, he looks like an HOA, Homeowners Association um, reject or something. I don't know, but he comes over, and he comes to my window, and he, he motions for me to let my window down. So I let it down, and he's like, what are you doing? Now, I'm not used to being talked to like that. He doesn't know me, and he doesn't care. But he's like, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, and uh, I should have just laughed and said, sir, I'm sorry. Am I, you know, I'll, I'll drive on if this is bothering you. But I, I didn't. And, and in that moment, the old man kicked in. I, I, I admit it. It kicked in, and I was like, why do you want to know? Do you live in this neighborhood? 
And by this time, I'm not the senior pastor anymore anyway, so I'm, I don't have to, I don't have to put up with you. And so I'm like, who, who? Why do you want to know? Because, I, and he starts, I don't even remember. Oh, I was in a, one of those moments. And he goes back there and he says, fine, I'll call the police. I'm, call the police. You can legally park on the side of the street. I, I guess nobody had told him that. And so I'm like, and I rolled down the window. I'm ashamed of it, but I rolled down the window. He was walking away. Really? Are you kidding? Really? I knew he didn't know me or he would have said something. So I, I was just full-blown. Now, later that day, I, I was, you know, I wasn't in the best attitude. I admit it. Peter, I'm sorry. So, uh, and God, most important of all. But later that day, I was, ooh, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I was over here on Curry Ford, and somebody stopped in front of me, and I had the first accident I've ever had in my life. Are they associated? I don't know. Um, there's a tiny, tiny part of me that thinks so, but I don't really look, think that way normally. But ever since then, I've wanted to go back and ask his forgiveness ever since then. And I drive by it on a regular basis. The other day, I pulled up under the two trees. And I thought to myself, when he comes out, I'll say, sir, I need to ask your forgiveness. But I was afraid he'd come out. And then I was afraid, no, I wouldn't have, but I didn't want to provoke him before I ask his forgiveness. And then I'm like, how am I going to do this? Just drive up and walk to the door? No, that guy, no telling. Um, but ever since then, I've wanted to ask his forgiveness. He doesn't know who I am and um, didn't then, but it matters to me. Because even though God's forgiven me, uh, I want him to hear something out of my lips that indicates that, you know, sir, that guy that you chewed out, um, he is very sorry he acted like you. And so I wouldn't say that. Uh, I would not say that, of course. But anyway, um, virtue, boy, virtue, knowledge. Okay, knowledge. We add knowledge, the knowledge that we shouldn't act that way. The knowledge that God's Word says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The knowledge that you can have peace in the middle of a storm. The knowledge that no matter what life throws at you, you can still keep a good attitude. So, and then you add to this knowledge self-control because when you see what the Word says about uh, knowledge, and, and uh, let, me, let me back up because um, six minutes. All right, so knowledge. There are two Greek words for knowledge. I, I, I've got to say these words because I've tried so hard to make sure I pronounce them correctly. So, no, the first one just Sophia. Uh, it speaks of wisdom. Two Greek words, Sophia, that speaks of wisdom in relationship to knowledge because they go hand in hand. And then gnosis, uh, a practical knowledge, and uh, these are applied to our lives. And knowledge of the Word of God is really what it's talking about. Knowledge of the Word of God, you apply the wisdom of God. Knowledge is what you 
have to apply the wisdom to God to certain situations in life so that we back up, and when something happens that we don't automatically, immediately, emotionally respond, but we respond according to the knowledge of God. Um, And then you add that self-control. I obviously didn't uh, incorporate it that day, but generally speaking, um, yes, self-control. And then because you're under control, because... Oh, uh, because you're under control, um, you guys sure that clock is right? All right, so I got more time than Sean. Anyway, um, so um, you apply, um, I'm sorry, you apply the knowledge. Then you have self-control because you know what the Word says, and you know the benefits. This is a fruit of the Spirit. We don't talk about that often, but self-control and Yes, maybe all of us have lost it, but our life should be set in motion in such a way that self-control, Peter says, should be a reflection of our life and our walk with God. Self-control, bringing self under control. All of us have all the passions we ever had. The old man, the old woman is still there, the old nature but at the same time, it's not a tyrant. It's not in control. It's our servant. And so we bring things under self-control, perseverance. And see, these stack up one upon the other. If you pull out self-control, it affects the whole dynamic in our lives. See, we can, we can have faith, but if we pull out self-control, then other things are affected in our life. Other people are affected in our lives. And so we have self-control. Then we have perseverance. Uh, God knows no matter what you're facing, if you can choose to persevere through it, you can say, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not concerned about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to face this head on. Uh, God has a plan. We confess the knowledge of, that we have of the Word of God, and uh, that's why we grow in the grace and knowledge of God's word. So we persevere. Somebody, many listening, no doubt, need to persevere in a situation you right now are dealing with. Persevere. Um, what's, what's your choice? What's your choice other than to persevere? Give up? Quit? Uh, why would anybody want to do that? Why? Uh, and so then we add to our perseverance, we add godliness. To our lives, or God-likeness, Christ-likeness to our lives. So we're building a foundation, uh, or we're building blocks on the foundation of faith, and so we're growing in Christ. We're applying our lives, adding these things to our lives. There's something that every one of us in this room and online could add to our lives right now. There's somebody, you got a control problem and a manipulation uh, problem. And God wants to add uh, uh, something to your life that's going to dismiss that or remove it from your life. Um, There's so many, so many problems today wrapped up. um, You know, years and years and years ago, there was not the family dynamic that there is now. 
And I can remember saying many years ago, when I was very, very young, I can remember saying that uh, one day, one day we are going to see the results of all the, the confusion and the breakdown of the home and the absence of fathers and, and the abuse and, and the, uh, the home out of control, the, the wife, the mothers has to step up and be the head of the household. Uh, and then if the man tries in some cases, he's not a, allowed and it can, just causes all kind of confusion. All of us need to examine our lives in light of what Peter is saying to us and say, okay, what do I need to add so that when I add it, these other things are taken away? Brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. Ah, quick little story. I, I came in here Monday. I was going to do some things in the office, and I came in, and I saw one of our groundskeepers with a backpack walking across the parking lot. And I thought, oh, he's probably, probably needs to walk home. He probably lives close. Nobody would walk to work that didn't live close. And so I stopped and said, where are you going? He said, um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going home. And I said, really? Well, jump in. Then I asked him where he lived. And he tells me. And it was like the next county over. And so, no, I'm, I'm like, no, really? And, and way the other side of 436. Well, little ways. And I'm like, Lord have mercy. He's walking these like almost four miles. And, um, you know, I'm. I wasn't thinking in my head, okay, I get about 15 miles to the gallon, okay, I guess it's 375. No, I wasn't thinking that at all, of course. Brotherly love. All I could do is feel like I, I wanted to help. Uh, he said, well, I got a bike, but, you know, uh, then I wanted to buy him a bike. Uh, brotherly love is a beautiful thing, but it doesn't come naturally. It comes as you add it on to your life by the choices you and I make. And when we see needs that our brother or sister has and we do what we can to meet those needs, our brotherly love. And, uh, well, okay, love. Now, it's the capstone. It's, it's not absent down here, no, it's through every aspect of this. It's, it's really the reason we do all of this, but it covers everything. Love. Um, you know, maybe somebody needs to go read 1 Corinthians 13 in the living, read it in the living Bible. I love it in the living Bible. Uh, someone came in one time and they said, uh, yeah, having a problem, this person, but do you love them? Well, of course I love them. Well, let me give you a scripture. Uh, love hardly notices when others do it wrong. Do you notice? Oh, yeah. I notice a lot. Well, according to the Bible, you don't really love them. And that person was like, like I smacked them in the face. And uh, I kind of enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, you know, when I'm not getting smacked in the face, it's, you know, to share something truthful, but... But when I saw him take it in, it was like he added it to his life. It was like he longed to do 
what he just heard, to love and hardly even notice what that person was doing wrong. Hardly even notice. Boy, I tell you. The word is powerful. It seems to demand a lot. But at the same time, it's all possible because of the power of the word. Because, well, you know, I, I haven't, I didn't preach too often on love. Love's through every sermon, really. But one time years ago, I, I preached on love many, many years ago. And I preached on love, and I got up there. It was all over in our first building, Hogan, what we called Hogan Hall. And so we'd seat about 400, I don't know, 25 people. So I'm, I'm preaching on Sunday morning on love. Love, 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 love. I thought it was a good sermon. And um, after the service, I stepped down in the altar area. And in a few moments, here comes someone down the aisle. And it was a young man. I don't know if he had any problems overall emotionally or otherwise. But he was a young man that had previously been in my youth group that some girls had come to me and said, Carl, would you tell him that he smells bad? Now, how do you go tell someone something like that? But I went to him and I said, hey, do you guys have a washing machine? You know, you, um, and he did have, you know, body odor. And so when I preached that sermon on love and stepped down here in the altar area, I look up and I see him coming. And I'm like, great. He's coming and he's got his arms open wide. And I'm like, God, you are going to test me before I even get out of the altar area. Oh, it's easy to talk about love and quite another thing to demonstrate love. Sometimes love calls for sacrifice, but always love calls for action. And here he comes. And I knew, I don't know if I had cologne on, but I knew that my odor was going to mesh with his, and his was going to dominate when it was all over. And him and I, you know, I wouldn't even have thought about otherwise, but God, that young man, let me change gears here because previously it's funny, now it's getting to me, because that young man needed help. And he loved me so much that he was coming to show it. And I hugged that guy, and I felt the love of God. Why? Because when you add love to your life, sometimes it calls for sacrifice. Sometimes it's just little sacrifice. Sometimes it's big sacrifice. But these verses that, these verses that, um, Peter writes are so incredible. Um, I don't even know if, guys, you've got these, but let me, let me read them. After you've added all these things to your life, then notice what 
verse 8 says in this chapter, For if these things that you have added to your life, for if these things are yours and abound, or if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then it says, but, or far, he who lacks these things, he who lacks love, brotherly kindness, godliness, perseverance, self-control, knowledge, and virtue, good attitude, honesty, and otherwise, he said, he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he has or was cleansed from his old sins. He's acting like an unbeliever. If he does not add all of these things to his life, and then he says in verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never... Oh, my goodness. This is incredible. Peter writing this, this old fisherman, writes to us and says, I'm telling you guys, he says, if you will do these things, you will never stumble. What? This is awesome. You will never stumble. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, and I'll just read it quickly and close. For this reason, I will not be uh, negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. In other words, Paul says, I'm, I'm going to keep on reminding you. And then he says in verse 13, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent of flesh to stir you up. Stir you up by reminding you. Stir you up. And so that's what the Word of God does as we preach. It stirs people up, stirs people up. Right now, you're, you're, you're wanting to do some things. Uh, every person in this place has thought of some things you, you want to do. You want to add something to your life so that you will never stumble. And Peter is saying, uh, I'm, I'm reminding you here. And so we're reminding you based on Peter's words uh, to stir you up, um, not to tear you down. No, uh, the word is not to tear you down, not to tear you up. No, it's to stir you up, to stir me up to add these things to our lives. Bow your heads with us. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.